This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council On Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC On Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org .nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Good afternoon. Hello and welcome to DMEC On Air. That's Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council On Air. And this is my segment, Wonderful Women, where we talk about things to do with culture and women. Um, I'm Valerie, the Women's Coordinator of Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council. If you want to find out a bit more about us, you can look us up on our website, dmec.org.nz or look us up on Facebook, Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council Celebrating Diversity. We're hosted by ORFM, that's Otago Access Radio FM, and you can look up a podcast of this on their website at oar.org.nz. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Um, and recently, we celebrated International Women's Day on March the 8th, that was last week. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk a bit more about International Women's Day, what it means and what or where it originated. Oftentimes, we celebrate these things without quite knowing backs and fronts of it and so I thought it would be really interesting to find out a little more about what it's all about excuse me team it is um, hay fever season because I am doing this on a sunny Monday I've done a red test I am negative however I'm still sniffly so International Women's Day March 8 is a global day celebrating historical cultural and political achievements of women um, the day is also observed in support of taking action against gender inequality around the world. Organizations usually come large and small. They do come together to show women just how valuable they are in today's society. Um, History of International Women's Day. Susan B. Anthony was a political activist and an advocate of women's rights. After the Civil War, she fought for the 14th Amendment that was meant to grant all naturalized and native-born Americans citizenship in the hope that it will include suffrage rights. Although the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1868, it still didn't secure their vote. In 1869, the National Women's Suffrage Association was founded by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony to continue the fight for women's rights. In the early 1900s, women were experiencing pay inequality, no voting rights, and they were being overworked. In response to all of this, 15,000 women then marched through New York City in 1908 to demand their rights. In 1909, the first International Women's Day was observed in accordance with a declaration by the Socialist Party of America. This was celebrated on the last Sunday of February until 1913. An international women's conference was organized in August 1910 by Clara Zetkin, 
a German suffragist and leader in the women's office. Zetkin proposed a special Women's Day to be organized annually, and International Women's Day was honored the following year in Austria, Denmark, Germany, and Switzerland, with more than one million attending the rallies. On August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified and white women were granted the right to vote in the U.S. The liberation movement took place in the 1960s and the effort led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act, allowing all women the right to vote. Hmm. When the internet became more commonplace, feminism and the fight against gender inequality experienced a resurgence. Now we celebrate International Women's Day each year as we push continuously with the hope of creating a completely equal society. So if we were to look at the timelines, the National Women's Suffrage Association forms in 1969, founded by Susan Anthony and Elizabeth Stanton. 1911, that's when Clara Zetkin proposes a Women's Day celebration. In 1965, where all women were given the right to vote. I think this was in um, mainly the U.S., um, so traditionally, what happens on the day, women generally come together to celebrate the advancement of gender equality and women's rights on the International Women's Day. They receive support from men who give them flowers or other gifts. This tradition extends to educational institutes and workplaces as well, and usually inspiring female leaders and women with success stories in different areas of life are put in the spotlight to encourage and influence other women all over the world. In Spain and Turkey, political activities and protests take place on this day. This aim is to motivate change in policy making. In China, women are allowed a half day off from work and receive special treatment in general at work and home. There is an International Women's Day event usually nearly every major city and you could pick and choose what attracts you most. There are concerts where you can listen to music, art exhibitions, uh, networking summits, um, guest speakers discussing women's rights. Um, yeah, and a lot of talk and publications about our favorite musicians or actresses or historical figures. Here are five interesting facts about International Women's Day. It is recognized by the UN. In 1975, the United Nations officially adopted International Women's Day. In Serbia, Albania, Macedonia and Uzbekistan, they celebrate International Women's Day and Mother's Day together. And each year, International Women's Day has a theme and for 2022, it was breaking the bias. In 2015, the UN reported that women still earn an average of 24% less than men do worldwide. And another study revealed that women get to save less than men with a 68%, um, 68 cents to a dollar ratio for retirement. In Algeria, women make up 70% of the country's lawyers and 60% of its judges. As I was looking through different interesting Women's Day kind of principles or theories or ideas, I came across something that's come up recently in New Zealand. Or rather, well, 12 years ago in New Zealand, but recent in the, you know, history of things. Um, it's the women's empowerment principles, which 
are a set of principles offering guidance to businesses on how to promote gender equality and women's empowerment in the workplace, marketplace and community. And I thought it was really interesting and so I was thinking it'd be a great idea to share it with everyone. This was established by the United Nations Global Compact and UN Women. The women's empowerment principles are informed by international labor and human rights standards and grounded in the recognition that businesses have a stake in and a responsibility for gender equality and women's empowerment. The women's empowerment principles are a primary vehicle for corporate delivery on gender equality um, and they have an agenda up to 2030 and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. By joining the Women's Empowerment Principles community, the CEO of a company signals commitment to this agenda at the highest levels of the company and to work collaboratively in multi-stakeholder networks to alter or foster their business practices that empower women. This include equal pay for work of equal value, gender-responsive supply chain practices, and zero tolerance against sexual harassment in the workplace. These women's empowerment principles were launched on 9 of March 2010 in celebration of International Women's Day at a day-long conference in New York for the private sector, civil society and government to explore the applications of principles in various contexts. So what will be good is let's go through the seven principles of the women's empowerment principles. And just talk a little bit more about that. So in short, one is establish high-level corporate leadership for gender equality. Two, treat all women and men fairly at work. Respect and support human rights and non-discrimination. And ensure the health, safety and well-being of all women and men workers. Promote education, training and professional development for women. Implement enterprise development, supply chain and marketing practices to empower women. Promote equality through community initiatives and advocacy. Measure and publicly report on progress to achieve gender equality. And so this also talks a little bit more about what all or each of these principles mean. So the first one where they talk about establish high-level corporate leadership for equality. Uh, corporate leadership is a key and integral part of making gender equality and women's empowerment to stop to top a top strategic priority. It publicly signals the CEOs and the executive team's goals and targets for implementing the women's empowerment principles and how the seven principles will become part of the corporate sustainability strategy, day-to-day operations, and organizational culture. Number two, where they talk about treating all women and men fairly at work to respect and support human rights and non-discrimination. This, in general, aligns with international human rights principles. In general, it translates to better talent acquisition, higher employer retention and satisfaction, increased productivity and better decision-making. Removing all forms of discrimination in corporate policies, strategies, cultures and practices is a big step forward in general in a company's WEP, which is Women Empowerment Principles Journey. To ensure the health, safety and well-being of all women and men workers. Um, It says that in general, employers do play a key role in preserving and promoting the physical and emotional health 
safety and well-being of their women and men employees? Well, practically, we know that sexual harassment and violence signify high costs to women in terms of lost earnings, missed promotions, and overall well-being. Um, and so companies are impacted in form of employee absenteeism and productivity losses. They talked about promoting education, training, and professional development for women. So how training for all employees about how the company is advancing gender equality and women's empowerment can align everyone around shared values and help to ensure compliance with company policies and practices. Effective programs to support women's professional advancement can include education and training that is complemented by networking and mentoring programs. There's also discussion around implementing enterprise development, supply chain and marketing practices that empower women. In general, negative and diminished conceptions of women and girls are one of the greatest barriers for gender inequality. Advertising is a powerful driver to change perceptions and impact social norms, portraying men and women in modern, authentic, and multidimensional roles. Companies can also influence business partners through inclusive supply chain policies and standards of engagement. Another principle, the sixth, is to promote equality through community initiatives and advocacy. Companies nowadays are increasingly investing in community development programs to make valuable, effective, and responsible contributions to gender equality and women's empowerment. A key motivation is to respond to consumer preferences to buy from companies with gender-responsive business practices and who are actively supporting community initiatives. Number seven, they talk about measure and publicly report on progress to achieve gender equality. Of course, transparency and accountability are required for companies to uphold their commitments to gender equality in the workplace, marketplace, and community. So it's important to measure and report or have those mechanisms in place to track performances and progress. Business leaders and stakeholders, though they agree, well, not everything of value can be counted, it's difficult to manage what is not measured. I guess in general, um, in my personal opinion, as as a woman and a woman of color, on one hand, there is always a fine balance between being seen as a powerful and strong and independent person um, and the view of equality versus equity. Sometimes we fear that in the process of being empowered by others, we may be seen as lesser or more vulnerable or having to be given additional assistance. Though in the modern world, that isn't probably as much my experiences um, as a woman as it is my experiences being of an ethnicity that is not the majority um, so I'm Asian, right? And a lot of times, though there are a lot of well-meaning strategies or assistance for empowerment, one of the things that sometimes stands out is the... Uh, it's it's difficult one to explain, but the view that the other ethnicity or the other gender is weaker and needs your help. However, on the other hand, when other 
parts of society and the community do not come together and band together to provide that empowerment or assistance, the default stereotype or the default the default human behavior or perception is naturally one that discriminates against those that are not similar to themselves. So what I do find is oftentimes there is this need to strike a sensitive balance between giving a man a fish and teaching a man to fish. And perhaps in the view that women or people with different culture and ethnicity backgrounds are off equal in every single way, and it's the perceptions around them that hold them back, as opposed to the perceived view that perhaps women or people of diverse ethnicity and culture are weaker or are less able, and that they're, we're reaching our hands out to be charitable. Um, and I think that in a world where we're trying really hard to achieve fairness and equality and assist those that are not as fortunate as ourselves, we sometimes fall into one or two of these categories and it's quite difficult to differentiate. It all comes from a place of goodness and well-meaning um, and so it's just interesting to, I guess, consider in the ways we say or do or empower others. And another thing that I've learned from my personal experience through the years is my attitudes towards feminism. Through the years and my experiences, um, and even when I look through International Women's Day, it's much different now than, say, even 10 years ago when I first learned about feminism, or 15 years ago, 20 years ago when I first learned about feminism. It often felt like feminism wasn't made for me. Um, when people talk about equality and pay or in back in the days, the right to vote, when people talk about equality and pay, a lot of times they don't quite mean equality for all women. They tend to mean equality between men and women. So there was a few years back, this was published. It was a very popular article that published the pay differences between male and female of different ethnicities um, in which European female made less than European males, Asian females made less than Asian males, Maori female made less than Maori male. However, all these races made less than Europeans, um, New Zealand Europeans. However, the article that was looking for equality did not point at the differences in pay between the different ethnicities, but merely pointed that all women should be equal to the males of their ethnicity. And in fact, using the data for the different ethnicities to point out that, look, even Asian females don't make as much as Asian males that show feminism or inequality, gender inequality exists in every culture. It's true. However, when feminism 
looks for equality. We were hoping that it meant equality over everyone. However, in the past, or as we're changing slowly, we talk about intersectional feminism, which is a more inclusive way of feminism. However, we've understood, and this has led to a lot of women from different cultures and backgrounds who feel that feminism's not their thing because it is often the sense one gets that um, the voices or the statistics or the experiences of women of color are only taken into consideration in order to support the argument of European cultures gaining equality. Even conceptually, to imagine that, yes, it would be great if Asian or Maori women can make as much as Asian or Maori men. Can you imagine in the world where people of color, women of color, make the same as a white male or European male? And so that's just a, a little shout out to intersectional feminism and to exploring our concepts and ideas a little bit. And bear in mind, when we talk about equality, um, it is of the hope that we remember and consider equality all around. I know it's tough to say that doesn't need to be said. However, sometimes it's quite helpful to think through some of the things that we do. Anywho, I see my time is up. Thank you for listening in on Tuesday at 6 to 6.30 on DMEC on Air. That's the Needham Multi-Ethnic Council, hosted by OR FM, Otago Access Radio on Wonderful Women. I'll catch you all again in a month's time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council on Air comes to you 6pm Tuesdays here on OR 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Join Lux, Valerie and their special guests to hear the latest from the Dunedin Multi-Ethnic Council and celebrate unity through diversity. DMEC on Air, 6pm Tuesdays with podcasts available anytime from oar.org.nz, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.